We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are mixing it up a little bit today with our Oakley spotlight. We're not necessarily spotlighting a 49ers or football thing like in reality, but we're going to spotlight the Chris Paul trade for the Golden State Warriors. If you're unfamiliar, the Warriors traded a young player, Jordan Poole, to the Wizards in exchange for 38-year-old Chris Paul. Okay, that's the gist of it. Chris Paul, of course, very disliked by Warriors fans. It's kind of a thorn in their side in 2014 and then was on those Rockets teams when uh, during the Kevin Durant era in 2017, 2018, it was just kind of always there and always kind of a pest. And now he's on the Warriors. And Chris, you asked me, (laughs) what would be the equivalent trade for the 49ers? And I have spent so much time thinking about this. I was just staring off in the distance last night. I was sitting on the couch with with Heather, my wife, (laughs) and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just staring off. She's like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> Wish I had like something romantic to say. I was like, you know, Chris asked me. <laughs> and then the what immediate did... eye roll. Like, oh yeah. No, just like, <laughs> right back to the phone. Like, no, no interest. Uh what are your what I assume you asked because you you had you had a take. And we haven't really yeah. discussed this. So let me know, man. All right. So the Niners equivalent of the Chris Paul trade would be in my opinion, trading Trey Lance and whatever else it would take to go get Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Because I think there are a lot of similarities. I think you can make the point, you can make the case that Aaron Rodgers is to quarterbacks as Chris Paul is to point guards. Um, A very clear difference between the two is Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl earlier in his career. Chris Paul is not. Um, But another... Uh, uh, something they have in common is the Warriors beat Chris Paul in the playoffs a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, the Niners have beaten Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs a bunch of times. They're both at very similar stages in their careers and that they're leaving teams um, in part because they are at the end of their thirties. They're both making a lot of money and Chris Paul coming to the Warriors should help in a way that I think would be similar. Obviously it's very different. A backup point guard is not the same as a starting quarterback. Sure. But it would be very similar in the sense of like Aaron Rodgers taking one last ride to try to win a championship with the Niners in the same way that Chris Paul is coming to, to try to win a championship with the Warriors. 
Um, so that is what I think the equivalent would be given sort of that the dynamics between the Niners and Aaron Rodgers and and the sort of similar dynamics. And I mean, like distaste for when it comes to like the Warriors and Chris Paul, because you've had like Draymond Green be like, yeah, I don't like Chris Paul <laughs> like yeah. in the past, like on the record, <laughs> say like, yeah, it's not my guy, not my guy at all. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I don't know that there's like disdain for Aaron Rodgers personally among the 49ers, sure. but if it, if I were to come up with an equivalent football trade for the 49ers specifically moving Trey Lance, which I think you could make a case is, is kind of similar to Jordan pool in some ways. Um, yeah. For, to, for, for Aaron Rodgers, I think is the closest approximation to, to what that trade would be. Yeah. I think Lance is a, is the right piece to include from, from the 49ers side. Or, or you know, 49ers slash Warriors side, because that's a young player who hasn't really gotten the role that, you know, he would ideally play. Jordan Poole has not gotten a chance to start every game uh, or be in that starting role every night where he's thrived, but that role was not really going to be there for him. But then there's still so many question marks about what he looks like in the future. I think that's a, a, a really good comparison. Trey Lance, the... Like, the equivalent of of Jordan Poole getting punched in the face by a teammate is Trey Lance breaking his ankle in week two. <laughs> it's I not it was... the same thing, but that's sort of like they've been dealt this like shitty hand that they're trying to I overcome. I, I thought it was Jimmy Garoppolo restructuring his contract and staying with the 49ers <laughs> last year. That, was, <laughs> that yeah. was one. See, for me, it's like trading Talanoa Hufanga for Adrian Amos. That <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I, deep, I, I said... The one that the one that jumped to me because, like I said, I don't know if there's a different 49er you can include that's not Trey Lance. I, I just I don't have Elijah Mitchell. Maybe could you, you want, could but, you make the case that there there are similar? Maybe not. Elijah be, Mitchell might be a better comp. Maybe so. This player was an All Pro once, but has been a little mer- mercurial. Has been. Uh, not as effective year in and year out. Could you make a Debo Samuel Jordan Poole comparison? No. Okay. Debo Samuel was the best player in the league at his position two years ago. Okay. Jordan Poole was never that. Sure. But in terms of like being really good one year and then like less helpful another year. That's why I said Elijah Mitchell kind of jumps out to me. Okay. Where... Mitchell's rookie year and the years don't line up exactly, but 2021 Mitchell was really good, but only available for 11 games. But man, when he was in there, he was, he was terrific. And then last year, you know, saw his role diminish, wasn't available as much. I wouldn't not Debo Debo to me had too good of a year in, in okay. 20, but it's less important about like who the Jordan Poole equivalent is than who the Chris Paul equivalent is. Right. So the first the first trade that popped into my head was Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And that that I think landed with me because it feels a little more like, oh, if this happened, it wouldn't I wouldn't fall out of my chair. I'd be shocked, but I wouldn't that wouldn't stun me the way a Aaron Rodgers trade would. I'm like almost expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> a Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins swap. Just Kirk Cousins eventually winding up on the 49ers at some point. Yeah. I was big salty that Mike Florio got all sorts of burn for saying that. 
when you've been saying that since like the season ended. <laughs> you've been on. I mean, I, I've I've been. You, you asked Matt Barrows, who like makes fun of me for it constantly. Like I I was writing about when I was running Niners, where I was writing about Kirk Cousins coming to the Niners in 2018. Like, right. As often as anybody, and then right. Kyle Shanahan ended up saying like, "Yeah, that was the plan." Before trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It's like everybody knows that man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know. Yeah. yeah, I, 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 and we can talk about this another time. I want to get to. I want to get to Jordan here, but I think the 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 more interesting conversation is what has to happen for the 49ers to get to the point that they're like at this time, well, before this time next year, they're going, okay, scrap the cheap quarterback room thing, punt all of it. We need cousins. Like what, what, what steps have to happen over the course of this season to get them there by next March? Like that's the, that's the interesting conversation to me. It's like Purdy regresses, Beyond, beyond, what's the word I'm looking for? Salvation, I guess. And they're out on Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. Maybe he plays well, but well enough that he's going to go get a big contract elsewhere. And Kirk Cousins is the guy. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a pretty disastrous season. Like if if it were something where Brock Purdy got hurt again. Like, knock on wood, obviously, but like, say Brock Purdy in September suffers a season ending, whatever injury, mm-hmm. ACL. Like, say, say he has the same injury as Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2018 when, when he Jesus, went out for the year brutal. in week three. You can't go into 2024 and say the 49ers, like, say it's a 2020 equivalent season, they lose a bunch of guys, they're out of the playoffs. You can't go into the next offseason being like, yeah, Purdy's still our guy. Yeah, no Having, doubt. You know, like coming off that elbow injury. And then so like this is not a likely scenario, but the scenario does exist where like right, it's how does it happen? If it's two, if Brock Purdy's your starting quarterback for two years and he's having major elbow reconstruction and coming off a major knee injury, you can't just be like, yep, it's Brock and that's it. Like right. Kyle Shanahan's gonna be fed up to the point where, like, hey, Parag, make these numbers work. We're gonna give Cousins <laughs> a three-year deal, and and we're gonna <sighs> make a run at this thing. And again, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm only like I'm tongue in cheek when I say I'm expecting. If it, it gets just there, though, it... but if it gets there, that's what's happening. Right, but I'm just I'm I'm being tongue in cheek about it, just because of like the inevitability that Kirk Cousins to the Niners has like it that it felt it feels like it's been there since 2017 when Shanahan took over and he's admitted as much hey and and here's the other thing we talk about you know catastrophic injury or or whatever take that off the table if the 49ers just don't win a Super Bowl this year Kirk Cousins free agency and the 49ers are very much going to be a thing yeah I mean Jimmy Garoppolo was a couple throws away from winning the Super Bowl and then months later weeks later it was should the niners get tom brady right (laughs) so right so if the niners to your point if they don't win the super bowl because brock purdy doesn't make some plays and kirk cousins is facing free agency we'll look at it like all right 
you know, that, yeah. that there, there's no way, there's no chance that like Albert Breer and Mike Florio and Peter King are not going to be like reporting. Hey, Niners have had discussions about Kirk Cousins. Like that's going to be a thing internal. Yeah, if they don't win the yeah. Super Bowl, that's gonna like Niners are kicking 100%. around the idea. Hundred percent. Can Kirk so, Cousins get him over the hump? Yeah. So yeah, I to your point, yeah, it might not even need to be like a catastrophic injury. Yeah, if they go, if they lose in the playoffs because the quarterback play is subpar. Yeah, it's it's cousin season, dog. Then Shanahan will be like, all right, maybe it's not. We can't just like try to piece together an offense with a quarterback who will run my 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 scheme. It'll be like, no, we need a quarterback that can lift. We need cousins. <laughs> we need the quarterback that can elevate our team. Goes and gets. Oh, that's wild if they decide that's Kirk Cousins. Anyways, I'm turning the Oakley spotlight off. Visit oakley.com. <laughs> Get yourself some sick-ass sunglasses to wear that you can hide your crying eyes when the 49ers inevitably acquire Kirk Cousins. Oakley, unofficially the official glasses of beating the Heat. Oh, true story. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be triple digits this week, dog. It's coming. I can't. I, I hate the the Heat. Not the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are fun. I hate the hotness. And I hate when the temperature is too high. But I'm honestly looking forward to it because it's an excuse to go outside in my Oakleys. Absolutely. Hell yeah. That's the Oakley spotlight. Uh, let's get to Jordan Rodriguez. She covers the Rams for The Athletic. She is doing an audio documentary series called The Play Callers about Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, and Matt LaFleur. This is a fascinating conversation with one of my favorite people to talk football with let's get to jordan Blue Liar. hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles Welcome to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com and part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And Chris is joining me now because we are sponsored by Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com. Instagram.com. Slash SGLambchops. Of course, if you're on Instagram, you just search SGLambchops. Go follow them there. Tons of cool stuff. And Chris, we're super legit now because we have a promo code. Promo code Candlestick20. I'm wearing the uh, the Lamb Chop sweat shorts right now. Your faves. Man, yeah, these things are super comfortable. Uh, they just feel super high quality. B- big fan of just like sweat shorts in general. But these ones, a lot of times you get sweat shorts and they're like, they feel very cheap and they feel like something that you're probably going to get rid of in a few months. These, I'm wearing some right now that are not lamb chops and they're trash. Yeah, like these have uh, like I couldn't believe I can't believe you're not wearing lamb chops right now. But these have like the zipper pockets place. with the cleaver with the cleaver zipper on them, super high quality, and they just feel great. And they do a great job of bridging like high fashion and yes. high comfort. And uh so yeah, super pumps, super pumped to be wearing lamb chops, super pumped to have them sponsoring the podcast. Candlestick20 at sglambchops.com is a promo code. You'll save 20% off 
your first order. They emphasize attention to detail, premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand, cleaver logo, and custom cut and fit for each piece. I love how all their stuff fits. They have the flashy stuff with the crazy designs. They have the more low-key stuff. If maybe you don't want shorts that are covered in lions or orca whales, maybe you just want some plain white or some plain red with just a little logo on it, they have that too for you. Go to sglambchops.com now. Like Chris said, promo code CANDLESTICK20 and join the herd with one-of-a-kind clothing options making unique statement pieces and everyday essentials. SG lamb chops. We're also sponsored by Oakley. And I've gotten more compliments on my new Oakley's on the golf course, out and about. My neighbor saw me mowing my lawn in my Oakley's as per usual. And he's like, man, love your sunglasses. Glad the sun is shining and you get to wear sunglasses. I was like, dude, I know it because it rains so much. That sucked. But the sun's out. It's almost summer, which means it's time to up grade your sunglass game because Oakley's changing the game. It's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Maybe you're mowing your lawn. Maybe you're golfing. Maybe you're running. Maybe you're training. Maybe you're doing literally anything. Maybe you just want to look like Debo Samuel. Maybe you want to look like me and Chris. Go to Oakley.com and get yourself a pair because that is what you need this summer. With Oakley, there is more than meets the eye. Here on this show, we're all about look good, play good, feel good. We talk about like jersey numbers earnestly. Like what number a player wears has an effect on how their career is going to go. Just like what sunglasses you wear are going to have an effect on how your day is going to go. And that's why I don't leave the house in the morning without my Oakley's. And listen up because it's officially almost summer. That means you need to upgrade your sunglass game right now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. We've talked about the Houston's. We've talked about the Baxter's. We've talked about the Holbrook's. You know what it is. There's a ton of other styles there. Maybe you don't like any of those, which would be nuts. But if you don't, you want to get your own style. Get in there and check it out. There are so many to choose from. And of course, they offer the Prism Lens Technology, proprietary technology to Oakley that's available for everyday settings as well. And if you want to know more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better, just like it did mine, just like it did Chris's. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn buku sunglass brands in my life. And I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, they are the best quality. That is a fact. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. All right, super cool episode coming up. Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. She covers the Rams, does an awesome job doing that. She's on the 11 Personnel podcast. But she did a five-part documentary series called The Play Callers that takes a dive into the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, kind of growing tree and influence on the NFL and on NFL offenses. It is a super fascinating idea. It drops July 10th, all five episodes. Cannot wait for that to come out. And we had Jordan on to talk about kind of the process, things she learned, give us a little bit of insight into the series. Really, really cool chat. Had a ton of fun with that. But first, Chris asked me a fascinating question in our group chat that has occupied so much of my brain space since he asked it. And I said, bro, we got to talk about this on the pod. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jordan Rodriguez here covers the Rams for The Athletic. And her podcast, The Play Callers, is coming out July 10th. Jordan, um, I love any excuse to talk football with you. And I saw this come up on Twitter. And I didn't text you immediately because I didn't want to be weird about it. But I waited, I don't know, an hour, two hours. And I was like, all right, let's get Jordan on to talk about this awesome series. It covers the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay tree. Let's, I guess, start with when did this idea for a kind of serial podcast on the evolution of offensive football in the NFL come to you. Yeah. Thank you for making me sound very smart just now. Um, and yes, gotcha. you did wait a respectful amount of time before hitting me up and I appreciate that, but you guys know, <laughs> I love being on with you guys. We have so much fun every time we talk. So thank you for having me on to talk about this. Um, it has been the most creatively rewarding and yet also grueling and uh, wanting to walk into the ocean experience I've ever had in my life, but it's all good stuff, right? You know, and and so it's a, it's a five episode documentary, basically. And, and if I were going to explain this, I know you guys as fan, uh, fans and listeners are such knowledgeable people about football. But if I were to explain this to like someone on the street who asked me, hey, what are you working on? Um, I would say I'm telling a story about how football happens in the NFL. And so this is a story that really helicopters into the modern moment of football, which is the catalyst that was the evolution of Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibbs marrying the West Coast Bill Walsh influence with the outside zone run game. And oh, so happened to have his son, Kyle, watching him do all of those things. Kyle Shanahan goes on and, and you know, starts working with all these other people who are currently head coaches, and they all built this system together, and they all have these fingerprints on the system that now has become the most popular, uh, you know, offense in, in modern football to the point almost of, of saturation, right? And it's ripple effect of, of those things. And we see in football's timeline, this happens every decade, right? So for me, it's like, I wanted to capture a moment in football, in time that sort of freezes this particular point in the timeline. If you're looking at it from like a very great distance and just dives into it right from a microscopic and a telescopic lens. And I think that what's been cool is we've seen it all happen because so much information is available to us now. And also these coaches are connected by the fact that they're all very young, um, and so they're kind of living all of this right in front of us between the information that we do have available to us that we see how football changes and, and, and works and, um, reacts to itself. And you're also seeing how people who are in charge of creating football are the catalysts to making this happen among, you know, obviously many other factors. And there's this ripple effect, right? How did defenses start to change and react? How did hiring change? How did all of these types of things that create the modern, day of football as we know it um that's all captured here so on the surface it looks like 
a story about these four young kiddos who, you know, evolved something that Kyle Shanahan had sort of this internal knowledge of from his dad, but really it's not just that. It's so many things that tell the story of what we're living right now, this arc of football and and how, you know, things, things are changing faster than ever. And and here's how they change and here's how these things happen. Yeah. So it's a fascinating topic on, on so many different levels because you have the schematic stuff, the chess game um, that is football that's evolving and, um, and and then you also have a bunch of personalities who know each other so well and have coached together and have been in, um, you know, film rooms and meeting rooms and talking for hours and hours all through the night, you know, like hundreds of times, right? On all these different coaching staffs they've been, they've been on. I- I'm curious, based on like your interviews and your experience with these guys, how they balance sort of that friendship and that reliance that um, they they've had on each other to to grow as coaches and as humans while also being some of the most competitive people on the planet knowing that like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay for example like as much as they've helped each other they have to go at each other's throats once the season starts because how they play against each other is going to go a long way towards determining how successful they are as coaches Yes. Well, they don't balance it to answer your first question. <laughs> um, <laughs> very, very not. <laughs> so um, all that's clear, all that comes through in the series, because um, I, these guys have all come to terms with it. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I want to go back to um, to Kyle, your question. How did you and it, it illustrates this exact point, Chris, that you're making is like, you asked me, how did I think of, how did I think of this? Well, in, in 2020, um, after we're kind of all let back into buildings and I get to watch practice, Sean McVay hired Brandon Staley as his defensive coordinator. And Brandon Staley was going to bring in some of those Vic Fangio concepts. And, and again, the story explores, we go a lot deeper into this schematically. Um, but in essence, Brandon Staley is going to bring in some of those Vic Fangio concepts that um, beat the crap out of Sean McVay in the Super Bowl because Bill Belichick installed them over the course of two weeks and totally shocked Sean McVay's system. And the humiliation and the embarrassment and the uh, frustration and the competition, that competitive, obsessive, uh, I'll say it because they say it, maniacal pursuit <laughs> of wanting to figure out not only what had happened to him, but why and how he could never let it happen again, leads him to Brandon Staley, right? So immediately you're not building a friendship off of that, <laughs> right? <laughs> like those core values are not, but and, and they are friends. So I don't want to make it seem like they're not, but immediately your relationship is forever defined by the fact that you need each other to evolve to something greater. Hmm. And that is something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm standing behind uh, the defensive backs at those practices And I'm watching them just competitively try to destroy each other in practice. And, but it, but it created something really special. Not only did it create that number one defense that year that the Rams had in 2020, and then also the ripple effect was really uh, in part, among other things, obviously a, a schematic shift in how much quarters is played across the league, the two high shells, the the coverage structures, the the way that um, fronts and coverage structures balance each other, the different types of players, hybrid players that come into the league. And obviously Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala have had a huge influence on that as well. But the ripple effect that happens out of those days, like post lockdown in the heat 
with like literal hawks circling overhead and everyone's just trying to kick the crap out of each other. And, but something is happening, right? You're building something out of it. And it harkens back to those days when Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, um, Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, Chris Furster, so many other people are basically in this little bunker of buildings in Ashburn, Virginia, just fighting with each other all the time. But like these really interesting ideas are coming out of it, right? Because they're all Mm. competing with each other to have the new idea, to get on Kyle Shanahan's call sheet, to, um, to be the person that comes up with the new wrinkle that they run in the game and have ownership of the play and to empower the players and, and who's doing that the best and, and all of that. Right. And, so I started seeing these patterns emerge, right? Because you see these people who are built in a very unique way. They're wired in a very unique way. And they're seeking out that conflict constantly because A, it shaped them at a formative time when they were all together. And that's how they built something unique. And B, that's how everything has moved forward for them in their lives is that conflict and that competition. So again, it it makes the dynamics between them so complicated, right? Because there's this deep respect that they have for one another and how each other thinks and how each other does their job. But also you can't pick up the phone and call each other because you're trying to beat the shit out of each other. Like it's, you just can't, you can't have that. It's, it's such a complicated and very nuanced dynamic and it shows up in over the course of this series, the human side of all of it. I've said a lot through the course of this series you never pity any of these guys. Um, you don't, but, uh, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy, right? right? And you do feel empathy in that you can kind of start to understand what it might be like to exist in such an insulated and truly unique, wholly obsessive and competitive space where not only is no answer going to work twice and you're always, you know, in that sort of caught in that innovation loop of your own creation, but also Nobody else, the only other people in the world who know exactly what your experiences is, you can barely really talk to them throughout the course of the year about really what it is that you're experiencing, because that Mm. could be used as an advantage against you. That's fascinating. It was, so you keep mentioning the four guys, it's Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, and Matt LaFleur. Yes. And I picked them because they were all, they're all head coaches, obviously, currently. Um, Mm -hmm. They're all very, they all started with this sort of core identity, whether they were together in Houston um, or they were together in Washington or both. And in many cases, in both places, a lot Mm -hmm. of them have shared backgrounds as well um, from some time in Tampa Bay. And they all have um, begun running this system in ways that have shaped, it's been shaped to their identity and also to the quarterbacks that they interact with um, through the bulk of that time. And in some cases, the their own game as well. So I, I feel like it gets, it gets called the Shanahan offense a lot, but it sounds a little bit like it's a Shanahan offense, but then there's a McVay offense and a McDaniel offense and a floor offense. It sounds like they're all a little bit different. Is that fair to, to call it? A Shanahan offense? I think people do that because of Mike Shanahan, um, because mm. it, it, there's always a, 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 you know, a first tree ring, right? I mean, it, it's endless. Everyone's taking from someone else that's taking from someone else that's taking from someone else. Mike Shanahan was deeply influenced by Bill Walsh, right? We know that. 
But what he did that was different. It's like, um, you know, the one choice that you make that creates a series of ripple effects. And the choice that he made was to partner with Alex Gibbs, who had the outside zone, who had influences from from elsewhere, too. Mm -hmm. And so his his choice was to do that. And, you know, they they pair that with John Elway, who could do some unbelievable things. And that becomes this major moment that diverts like water in the stream and it starts going in a different direction. And all of the foliage and everything down that side is, is now affected by that one decision, that fork that he created. And I think that that's why people do call it the Shanahan system, but it's like what we're watching right now, what I want to stress to people why this is so fascinating is like all of these guys are now creating their own forks right? They're all shaping, they're all diverting the stream in a different way, whether mm-hmm. it's via the quarterbacks they have, like with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and a lot of compromise, or whether it's, you know, Sean McVay first with Jared Goff and then totally pivoting to a different kind of quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And then, or whether it's Kyle Shanahan and kind of creating like the run game as his quarterback, as he's done over the last several years, or, you know, Mike McDaniel, who's just doing pure speed everywhere. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, they're all making these decisions that then in turn have these ripple effects. And it all started from like, an originator ripple effect, except it didn't really, it started before that and before that and before that and before that, which yeah. is, you know, I'm not high, I promise, but like, it's just, that's, <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's how this is. That's what this story is. And, and you're totally right because each of these offenses has, they have their own fingerprints on it. A lot of the languages mm-hmm. are share the same core structure, right? It's the same alphabet, but they're all creating different words. Mm. So schematically, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about the the similar schematic stuff, but I'm curious, too, because covering Kyle Shanahan, like the shift in culture was massive for the 49ers when when he came on, even back in 2017, like they started out 0-10, but it was very clear just being inside the building. Things were a hell of a lot different than they were with Chip Kelly in 2017 when they went 2-14. I'm curious, like, because all these guys have, I would say different personalities than the quote unquote football guy, like Hardo coach from the nineties who would never say anything interesting to the media who, you know, where we're practicing two days and I only want tough guys. And and there's a, there's a certain level of emotional intelligence that I think <clears throat> has involved, has evolved for NFL coaches as time's gone on. And I think Kyle Shanahan and, and Mike McDaniel certainly exemplify that. I'm sure in your experience with Sean McVay, you've seen you've seen things like that. Did you get to dive into culture and like human interaction and how much that sort of changed in the football paradigm over over the last decade or two? Yeah, like not to be a totally reductive, but there's such millennials. <laughs> you know? Like, like that's, that's another Same. that's that's like another I'm like, I feel that there's a there's a there's a shared there's a commonality within all of them. Right. And they all always had it. It wasn't that they were developed by Kyle to have this. They all mm-hmm. always had it. And that's why when he was all of their boss, they he gravitated toward them and they to him. And it was this why, this show your work, live out loud, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like we see on the little the little wooden board inside someone's right. kitchen, right? Like that that really is though what it was. Like and, and what it is is that's something that they've never stopped. You can really see, I I make this argument. I sound insane when I do it, but I make this argument like constantly. And I said this to all of these guys is 
you can see who their personality is by the way that they run their offense. Mm -hmm. And Mm. you can see exactly who they are by the way that they run their offense. I mean, down to like, you know, Sean McVay being probably the more impulsive one. Like he wants to throw the ball the hell down the field. He goes away from the run game like crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Kyle, he wants his offense to like mentally break you and physically hurt you. And that's a result of his own learned experiences of, you know, when everything can totally go out of control and I'm part of the problem, how can I get stable again? Like, how can I get back to something so multiple that you can't really defend easily, but Mm -hmm. also that could set me up for a million different answers, all with this one solution, which is the run game. Mm. And Mike McDaniel, who's the latest to get a head coaching job, he's doing all of it faster than all of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Matt LaFleur, the compromise with Aaron Rodgers, the patience, the the sort of mediator, you know, you can see all of it. You can see all of it if you know where to look. And it's fascinating to me because that is so, I mean, again, it's like, sounds so reductive. That's such a millennial thing, right? Like Big time. there was this thing where it was like, one of the coaches telling me like, Kyle always wanted to know why you wanted to put something on the call sheet. You had to tell him. And then he would like, he would sit there and he would troubleshoot it. He would try to pick it apart. He would workshop out every possible. It's it's like, he was like catastrophizing, like working out every possible solution to how this could go wrong. And Hmm. you had to be ready to prove all the ways that you could then solve that in, in case something happened. Right. And, and it was like, Sean, Sean talks about it now where it's like, it was such a why thing. He's like, people, you know, people, you know, make fun, say, oh, it's millennials, whatever. But like, that really is a part of it is they're showing it. And that's another reason why um, I wanted to feature specifically these guys. Not because other- another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coaches haven't accomplished more. I mean, they all pay so much respect to Bill Belichick and so much respect to Andy Reid through the course of this series. But those guys aren't necessarily showing us out loud. Um, what it is that they're thinking and how they're failing and and learning and growing. Like they're doing all of this very publicly. Like I said, if you know where to look. Do you expect the, you you mentioned, you mentioned Matt LaFleur. Do you expect the Packers offense to look different without Aaron Rodgers? I do. And it's some of it I'll keep, you know, for the, for the show, but I I do expect it in, in part because of what he was in the middle of studying. Like when I got there, you know, like I, I do think that there there's, there's a uh, an idea of like um you know you you have to figure out who you're going to be without this person running your offense you know like like anyone who goes from a quarterback of that stature of that status of that ability um into totally new territory and again with a lot of other young players on the roster too it's not just that Rodgers is gone it's also that they have a lot of young players on their roster now too um you have to figure out who you're going to be and it's also like you're you're figuring out who you're going to be without this other person who you worked with, like truly collaborated with on this system for, for years. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like, again, another 
fork in the stream, you know, like it's another, it's, it, it's Matt LaFleur going out on his own yet again. He's been the one, I think of all of them who've done that the most over the last several years is he, you know, he's sort of like um, forged his own path. And and now through, you know, sort of circumstance, he he's being asked to do it again. And we'll kind of see like what he's learned to this point. So I'm curious what it's like in the room when you're interviewing these coaches, because I think NFL coaches by definition are defensive when it comes to revealing their truths or talking about scheme. Um, I think there's an element of Kyle Shanahan where he's like, well, I can do so many different things off any given look that I can talk about it more openly than maybe others might like Jim Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan couldn't be any more different. Jim Harbaugh treated any football discussion like wartime secrets and assuming his enemies on the other line of the phone. Right. Um, but Kyle Shanahan will be like, yeah, I can tell you I'm, I'm, I'm open. I can tell you anything because I have, I can do, I can work something off of that and, and make you pay for overplaying what you're, what you think you have on me. Right. So I'm just curious, like when you're in the room and talking to these guys, are they super willing to give you information? Do you kind of have to maneuver in a way where you're starting off slowly and asking, asking them, um, sort of softballs and then getting them to open up as time goes, like what's your mindset when you're going into talking to these guys and and all their different personalities? Well, it's a great question. Everyone's different. And I try to treat everyone the same. Right. So that was one thing because I, again, they all have one eye on each other at all times. Right. (laughs) But, but that's most coaches in this league. It's not exclusive to this group. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, so first of all, I'm going to treat everyone the same, right? So, but I, I'm fortunate in that I know, I've covered Sean McVay for a while. And so I kind of knew that like, don't do the small talk thing. Like don't do the interview where you're just sort of like bullshitting on stuff. Can I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like saying, you know, just BSing on stuff that like, isn't going to make it into the series and they know it and you know it, but you're just sort of like gathering the courage to ask the questions you want to ask. Um, and they test you. I was all these, all these guys, they, they tested the the interview process in certain ways and trying to see, um, you know, I think it was, it, it was a really interesting process because I learned so much about them through the process itself of talking to them and through the, the action of talking to them and, um, you know, being in, in sort of their spaces where their ideas are happening, that was super informative to me. And, and it makes it into the series as well as what it was like and, and what, what's on the wall. Like, you know, like, it's just, it's very, very interesting, um, in that regard. And for me, I, I kind of always just, I'm like, I'm, I'm here to learn. Like, and that's what I said. I, I was just pretty, really open the whole time about like, this is the idea. It's basically what I said to you guys at the start of the podcast and how I didn't get like asked for like medical check or something was like beyond me. Cause I know I sound insane when I talk about it, but like it's, it, I just, I just basically said the same stuff to them. Like, this is my idea. Do you want to participate in this? And you know, it took a lot of time. This I've been reporting this for over a year, Um, and, and it's just, it's been very, very intense. And, but at the same time, when, when you finally get to that place where you sit down and you really have an open and honest conversation with somebody and you're, you're just listening and they're explaining again, they, they're explaining their why, um, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool thing. And for me, it was like, that's what I want to preserve, you know, less so the, you know, how many wins and losses and how many, who won, which, you know, who's the one who won the Super Bowl and those types of things, but like 
really listen to people talk about why they think they're on the planet and listen to people talk about why they think the way that they think. And also listen to people say some like truly unhinged stuff about the way that they work and their process that like no normal human could sustain. Um, and you just sit there and you're like, wow, man, you're not okay, but thank you for talking to me. You know, like it's, it's, it's like, you know, it, but, but, but you just, you, you don't look at it with any sort of judgment or, mm-hmm. um, spin and you don't try to put in your own narrative or your own belief or anything. You just listen and you just continue to dig. You're like the, the, the archeologist with the little brush, right? You're just uncovering it little pieces at a time and you don't rush it. And what was really cool is, especially, I, I do want to shout out a lot of the PR directors who helped me facilitate these interviews, um, because once they started really feeling that dynamic take hold when, the, you know, they're a lot of times they're in the room too, you, they let it happen. They just were like, oh, okay, cool. Like this, this is a really cool conversation. This is a really neat thing, a really neat sharing of, of process that's happening. And so cool, let it flow. And, and so then it's given the time to breathe and you're given the time to really be patient with how you interview people um, and not just pressing to get, you know, to fill sound bites on a script. I didn't start writing the scripts until I was done with interviewing all of the coaches, um, which was a unique sort of hell of my own creation, but it was the right <laughs> way to do it because I didn't want to fit into anyone into a certain category. I wanted them to show me who they were. Um, and for the most part, they did. What's up, y'all? I am psyched to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. Man, I have been, I'm legitimately so stoked about this. I've been wearing Oakley sunglasses since I can remember. I had a pair of the Flax for when I played baseball. They were a staple. I had them. Everyone on my team had them. And I've been rocking with Oakley ever since. Oakley is changing the game. And it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or do you just want to look like your favorite athlete? Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's rocking Oakleys. Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. Here on Candlestick Chronicles, we are all about look good, play good. Like, we debate what players are going to be good in the NFL based on what numbers they wear. Like that's how much we believe in look good, play good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys and listen up because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game right now. Not today, not tomorrow, because next thing you know, it's fall and you didn't upgrade your sunglass game. Go do that right now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I've got a pair of Holbrooks. I've had two pairs of Holbrooks in the last 15 years They are my favorite pair of sunglasses to wear. I don't leave the house without them. But get yourself a pair of Corridors or the Sutros. Both styles I really, really love, especially for summer where you're out barbecuing or you're out at the beach. They are just the perfect sunglasses. And did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? So what the hell's that? (laughs) We're going to learn together. It's proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. You want to know more? I know you do because I sure do, and we can do this together. Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. As you know us, we love doing your own research on this show. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. I'm telling you, people talk about the glow up with facial hair. No, no, no. My glow up came when I bought a pair of Holbrooks. So... 
when you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. Well, trust me, but also try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but it's the best quality. I told you I've had two pairs of Holbrooks. The one was because I lost them at a wedding. And I didn't even leave the town that the wedding was in before I left with a new pair of Holbrooks. I went to a to a store that sells sunglasses in the in the town that I was visiting to get a new pair of Holbrooks uh, before before I went home. That's that's how much I love them. Uh, Oakley's not only the best looking, but they're absolutely the best quality out there. So head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Hey, it's your friends Kyle and Chris here with SG Lamb Chops, our homies. And our favorite fashion brand. Check them out at sglambchops.com. Go to Instagram and follow them at sglambchops. What's that? That's a Minnesota-based fashion brand. They were founded in 2012, and they emphasize attention to detail and premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand cleaver logo. It's so sick. It's such a sick logo. It's just a really clean, just a cleaver, and it's a custom cut and fit for every single piece Chris, you and I both have a closet full of this stuff, and I've yet to have something from them that I don't like. I think the emphasis is definitely on quality and comfort, and we talked about it before, but we live in an era where comfort is really at the forefront when it comes to clothing, and with all these athleisure brands, very few of them are fashionable, but Lamb Chops takes all that comfort and that quality that you need, and they happen to make very fashionable items also you can get just very comfortable mesh shorts with pockets we all love those but they can look a little bit boring sometimes you can get some leopard print you can get some inverted leopard print so the inverted leopard print looks kind of cool it looks almost like a dark camo or you can get regular leopard print if you want to stand out a little bit um you and i have both rocked the various animal prints they're not even animal prints but they're just you can get shorts with Orcas and wolves and lions, mm. favorite animals. Um, you can get basic sweatshorts. Um, everything's just super comfortable, super premium, and super stylish. And I think that's that's just a great combo for for any clothing brand. But Lamb Chops really stands out among the rest for that, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we love working with them. Lamb Chops is leading the herd with original and high quality clothing. They offer one of a kind clothing options from unique statement pieces to your everyday essentials. So join the group that's leading the herd, SG Lamb Chops. That's sglambchops.com. And on Instagram at sglambchops. Follow them right now. I have a two-part question, but I'm a professional, so I'm going to only ask one part first. Good, because I'll probably forget it because I ramble a lot. So this is good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who was your favorite interview of the four? Oh, geez. That's not, you can I say it's Mike McDaniel. That's okay. No, I mean, I can't answer it. I really can't. Mike Mike was great. Mike was like super gracious with his time and like super thoughtful, really smart. Um, really, you know, he's been through some stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. been through some some dark stuff, some complicated stuff. And also he worked for Kyle the longest, which again, is its own unique sort of like navigation system that you <laughs> walk through life with, right? And so it, it it's like very, um, it was very, very interesting. I could not pick a favorite. I promise you okay. I've tried like my producers and I, I have a bunch of really talented producers on this. And we've all joked, we should make like a Buzzfeed quiz. Like which coach are you, you oh, know? Nice. Cause like you'll identify random things. They'll say, like, you'll start to identify. You're like, Oh cool. I'm, I'm like that. Or God, I'm so glad <laughs> I'm not like that. You know, like you'll, you'll have these moments through the course of the series. And we were joking. We should make a Buzzfeed quiz, but 
Um, I would say like, I, I really appreciate people who took the time who knew they weren't quote unquote, the main characters. Robert mm -hmm. Sala gave me one of the best interviews of the entire series. Wow. That dude's got a funny story that he tells about their time in Houston that is not to be missed. Um, you know, Brandon Staley talked through really high concept, high level defensive structures and concepts with me. That was really cool. I mean, people who knew that they aren't necessarily like going to be on the, you know, the lead photo, they took that extra time. Because again, it's it's about showing why and it's about showing kind of what processes. And, and so, and, you know, former players who talked to me, it just, I, I really appreciated all of it. Were you doing these interviews all in person or were some of them over Zoom? How did that process go? Most were in person. Um, it was really important to us and and generally for sound purposes, but also for environmental purposes too, to get um, the especially the, the the sort of quote unquote main characters to get them all in person. And what was cool is, you know, those cool is not the right word. That was actually a really freaking brutal process <laughs> in terms of logistics. And like, let me backtrack that. That was one of the hardest things ever. Cool. I mean, it was by like, cool. I mean, shitty. Yeah. By cool. I mean, not cool at all. No, it was, no, it was, it was awesome. Like it was, it was, a, it was grueling. I'll say that, but like in the best way, right. Because it's like, you're getting to be in the room, you know, and, and like to, to, you know, you're doing it as like, not someone who's like, in awe of the person who's talking to you by any means. It's not that at all. But the fact that you're in the room getting to have a rare conversation, like all of that was so was so energizing. And um and, and so that was another important thing is is you could really feel like some of the descriptive things in the scene setting, like they really add depth and 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 this element to the series that like it shows you in some cases like there's a detail about Kyle Shanahan in the, the, the space, you know, the office, it's like, it's, it's literally, you're looking at the inside of his brain and you can't see that if I don't mean literally, I mean, metaphorically, <laughs> of course, but you know, you can't, yeah, we were in an x-ray room now. <laughs> and so you can't see that unless you're there. Right. And, and then you also, you can't have those um, important contextual conversations that I had with every single one of the coaches um, beforehand or after just to talk, just to talk about like, you know, ideas and what is this and, and kind of like all of those types of things that are really important that happen in person. Then also the sound, getting the sound perfect was, was absolutely crucial for us. And what was really cool is the people we didn't get in person were like, they have like professional setups, right? So like, you know, the jets have like this insane studio, right? So Robert Sala and I were on Zoom, but the Jets had like a Hollywood studio that they set them up in to make sure that we could get good sound. Like the Panthers went above and beyond with Thomas Brown and Ajiro Evero. They set them up with professional studio mics at their houses and had a, um, wow. a public relations professional go to their houses to make sure that we were getting this. Like, it was so cool. It was, that's why I say it. it's like, it was a huge team effort, like with a lot of people who believed in the project and were like passionate about it. And they, they just, they went above and beyond to try to make sure that we had just like the best quality. And, and I don't know, I have such an unrefined audio palette. Like, I don't know, but my producers are stoked. So it's like, <laughs> you know, this is great. Right. So, and it yeah. just, but for me, it was like those gestures and the effort that people put into it was like incredible. So you've mentioned a, a few different defensive coaches, which is interesting because, you know, one of the, one of the things that's notable about Kyle Shanahan's backstory is 
um, when he was, I think he was a QC with Tampa working and being in the room for defensive meetings with Monty Kiffin. And a oh, big yes. part, a big part of um, the way he structures his offense is identifying rules uh, for defenders. And, and part of the reason why he's such a good schemer is because he knows what the rules are for the defenders and he knows how to break them and put them in conflict and put them in situations where they either have to choose or create space for somebody like running back out of the backfield and the linebacker or whatever. Um, what, based on all your reporting that you've done for this, what are those conversations like between like a Kyle Shanahan and a Robert Sala when Kyle's asking him questions about the rules of the defense and how he can break those and sort of, because I would imagine like competitively, obviously you're on the same team, but you're not, you're not really trying to put it out there on like how to break my defense. Right. So just like, what, what, what were, what's that dynamic like? I will tell you a huge part of episode three is dedicated to that very question. So um, I won't give too much away. I will tell you, you guys are in for a treat. Um, And I will also tell you that like, it's, it's not that you're not trying to break someone competitively. You are, you're trying to break them till you can't break them anymore. Like that's the point. And it's not just Kyle. It's also Robert, (laughs) you know, it's not just Kyle. Mm -hmm. It's also D'Amico. It's not just, Sean, it's also Brandon Staley. And that was also the subtle trend that starts happening, right? Is these Y coaches, right? These millennials, they start going across the league and they want to know, they want to sit in those rooms and they want to figure out how to do it. And and a lot of it stems again from a decision that one or multiple people made a long time ago in that Kyle was bored doing his QC work. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but like he, he wanted to do more stuff. So he goes in and he starts like lurking in the back of these defensive meeting rooms and he starts troubleshooting. And Raheem Morris is a huge part of his story in that regard. And then you have Raheem Morris who starts doing that on the other side. And then all of a sudden he's coaching offensive skill players in Atlanta and, you know, the head coaching stuff and, and all of that. Well, then he finally meets back up with Sean McVay and he's like the head coach basically that helps get them through their most hellacious periods on their Super Bowl run because he understood what had to happen because he had that perspective because people made decisions a long time ago that sparked other decisions and other decisions. And I'm not crediting any one person to that, but it's like this ripple effect that happens to all these coaches you know, Sean McVay wanting to understand defense to the point where he goes and hires the thing that mortified him on the biggest stage Mm. so that he can fight against it every day and build up a tolerance to it. It's like that old, like ancient Greek practice, like Mithridatism, where you ingest small amounts of poison. So you build up a tolerance to the poison, not medically (laughs) sound guys, not (laughs) medically sound. I think this is me on Twitter. This is how I social media. But like in in this case, it's like, it's the same thing. It's like, you want to understand so that not only you can deploy it against other people and then, you know, hurt other people the way that you were hurt, (laughs) but also (laughs) that, you know, you can also know it and understand it and like that you can have. So, so it makes your own group better. And that's this pattern you're seeing over and over and over again. 2019 is when really things started, cylinders started firing in that regard you saw lots of things come into effect with the 49ers. Again, I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but it's a lot of detail in the series. You started seeing these come 
things happen more and more and more. And then, you know, you helicopter over into LA in 2020 and, and Sean McVay is doing the same thing with Brandon Staley. And then you start seeing these hiring patterns of people who want to get the thing that drives them the most crazy in their own building so that they can troubleshoot against it every single day where it's not on tape. So other people can't study what you're doing. And then that culminates, you know, and, and crescendos. And then Mike McDaniel's like, I know what I'll do. I'll go hire Vic Fangio himself, you know? <laughs> and, and so it's, it's like all of these, it's like, again, it's this huge, this ripple effect that to your point, like it is trying to break someone or yourself so that you break through mm-hmm. and that's twisted as hell guys like frankly like it's dark there's some darkness to this now right yeah but, but i kind of respect it that's what it is <laughs> that's what that that's what this job is frankly yeah. and yeah. and that's what a huge part of the series focuses on is there is that effect there's a human effect and and frankly there's you know obviously there's a, there's a toll as well on on some of the players who do get caught up in those innovation loops for better or for worse with without giving away too much, you talked earlier on about the kind of ebbs and flows. Okay, so offenses adjust to what defenses are doing, and then there's the defensive adjustment to that, and then you just kind of build and build and build forever and ever and ever, and it goes on and on in a circle. Did you feel like you kind of got an idea in talking to these guys and hearing from them, both either offensive or defensive, like you kind of can see what direction the league is heading over maybe the next five or 10 years? You know, it's a great question. And like, I wish I, I, I just like, for me, I would never say like, Oh, I know what what's coming next. You know what I mean? Like sure. I just would never say sure. that, yeah. but I, but what's cool is like studying how other people think you start to see patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. And studying how other people think and then how they act and how they move and how they operate. Like you do start to see patterns emerge And that was one of the coolest things about this entire process is not only being able to have those very honest, candid conversations. um, And there's a hilarious part too, where we do get into a discussion of like, what's next. And none of them wants to answer me with the microphone running. Hilarious. Because it's like, (laughs) why would they give away what they think? Like they know, they know who else are doing the interviews. Right. So like, and so, but, but still we're having those conversations. Right. And, and, and so but you, but for me, it's it's less so who has the right answer and more so, oh, how are people decision-making and problem-solving? Mm-hmm. When you start to put all of that data together, like again, in these series of tree rings, you can start to see and visualize the way that the patterns form. And it's all happening faster than ever, right? Because again, we have so much more information available to us. Um, so the long answer is like, I would never say that I personally would know because you know, who can really know any, any sort of decision can then change the stream once again. Right. Right. But it's cool to see what they think they know and how they're Mm -hmm. moving and in what direction they're going because they think they're onto something. And it's all about creating that next loop first so that you have the first mover advantage for that loop. So you cover the Rams for the athletic. Um, and I'm, Zooming away from uh, from from the podcast series for yeah, a second. Yeah, let me tell but... you about Whiplash. Going from that <laughs> this really to 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 try to figure out what the heck's going on in in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So... cover the Rams. <laughs> Name ten Rams. <laughs> <laughs> no, forty so rookies, I... guys. Forty rookies on this roster. Oh man, so that that's what yeah. I want to ask you about because you know there there's been so much swirling around Sean McVay and the idea of maybe him wanting to move to Amazon, maybe him wanting to 
you know, take a step away from this quote unquote darkness that, that we talk about that's associated with his job. Um, and looking at the Rams coming off a five and 12 season and a roster that has 40 rookies. And now the fact that Sean is expecting his first child at home, right? Like where is his head at right now in terms of knowing what's coming in term potentially like having to rebuild? I know that's not a term that, that he probably wants to use, but retool the roster, if you will, like to get the Rams back to contention while knowing that's going to be an arduous process when it seems like there are these things away from football, maybe pulling towards maybe having him pulling towards, you know, pulling back from, from his head coaching job a little bit. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think um, what I will say cautiously is like, I think he's in a great place personally. Like I think he he's really reinvested in what he really appreciates about coaching, which is teaching. And you're going to have to, right, with 40 rookies on the rock. Um, so I do think, I, I do think, and I covered this firsthand, obviously, in that big, in a big long form piece for the athletic about what the mental stuff was that, that sort of happened last year, not just to him, but to so many in that organization. Um, that crash was so brutal for so many people, especially him. Um, and again, it's, it's empathy. It's not sympathy, right? You don't pity, you don't pity Sean McVay, but you do feel empathy for kind of like what, it must be like for, to mm-hmm. be that person. Right. And so, um, I think that like, I, I have less questions about his direction moving forward than I think I did even before the, before the start of last season. Um, because I think he's sort of started to, and, and you're almost forced to, in a way, you really have to be where your feet are. You really have to revisit all of the basics, all of the foundations, you know, that 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 shaped you in the first place because you're mm-hmm. teaching them all to young people who you've never had even half this number of rookies on your roster since you got to LA, let alone 40 of them. Um, and so I think that's been interesting. I think one thing that's been really invigorating for him is he's um, done a lot of hiring over the last year where it was sort of a rushed thing after the Super Bowl season to either retain or fill positions um, and this time, obviously, when you are that bad, you have all the time in the world in, in the postseason <laughs> to fill your staff. And so he really, I think, got to bring in people who are are also teachers, who he really likes having around. Um, and so I think those things go a long way. We don't often talk about them as publicly as we do the status of the players on the roster or the contract status of the coach or, or what have you. But those two things, I think, are foundational points for him specifically. And while I think that the Rams are in for some bumps along the way uh, this year, and certainly I will get a front row seat to whatever chaos ensues. um, I also think that it's been a genuine expression of like, people are feeling better about stuff. (laughs) Just like you name it. (laughs) They're just, they're feeling better, right. Than they, than they were last year. And I think that's really interesting. And I think they think that, um, yes, there will be some, some rough days and certainly some rough bumps when it pertains to their defense, they overhauled almost the entire defense. Um, but I do think that they think, you know, if they can put up a lot of points, if they can get their offense back to what they think it looks like in its functionality, if they can revisit some foundation points that maybe he had gotten away from in terms of some of the concepts and schematic things and the philosophical things that he, he once did a lot of, and then maybe got away from and 
a lot of it pertaining to the run game, then I think they think that they've got a shot at at least being competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, you hear the, the tanking question all the time. And it's like, I just don't think any of these guys, especially after doing this series, I don't think any of these guys would ever have that in them. And, and most coaches around the league would, would feel like that too. Um, but you know, I think they think that if they stockpile enough resources and if they're like, not great, but like in that upper, like what eighth or ninth eight or excuse me, eighth or like sixth of the, the worst teams in the league, if you stockpile those resources, then maybe you can actually go get somebody versus um, trying to set up enough failure for a second year in a row that almost like destroyed your coach and and half the people in the organization trying to set up enough failure to then have the payoff. I, I just don't think that any of them, not just Sean, but the front office too, I don't think that they're wired that way. And I think they genuinely think that they will be competitive and, and, um, several of these games this year, if not more than, than we expect. It sounds insane. I I'm seriously, I'm like, seriously, bro. Like that's me. Right. But yeah. like, it's gen, it's been this earnest, like feeling and the sentiment toward like, no, I think we're going to compete. It might not turn out the way that they want, but they, I think they are going to be zestful in how they go out and compete. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a Sean McVay team going like one in 16. I can't. Like, yeah. just don't, I mean, it doesn't, the worst doesn't things that could have possibly like guys, it wasn't just like, catastrophic record setting games lost to injury along the offensive line, no run game quarterbacks falling apart. Um, star receiver gets hurt. Star defensive tackle gets hurt. Second receiver gets hurt. Third receivers hurt for the first half of the season. Jesus. Like, and then also your coach is like spiraling, like guys, nothing. could have <laughs> Like, that's why I said, I was like, okay, so next year, like I write the headline, like comet hits thousand Oaks training facility. Rams mm-hmm. get first overall pick. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where we're at. That's what we have to go to in order to say, oh, it could go worse for the Rams this this next year. I mean, I've been wrong a lot before. I know that, but like this this just feels like kind of a no brainer to me. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk thinks that the 49ers and Rams are going to be duking it out for the services of Kirk Cousins next offseason. Your thoughts? <laughs> oh, I missed that. What was that all about? He thinks that because Kirk Cousins is going to hit free agency and he thinks that McVeigh and Shanahan are going to be in like an arms race to go get Kirk Cousins. Huh. <laughs> That's kind of well, where I'm at on it. Well, um, you know, what's what's interesting is um, I think Matt, uh, I'm, I don't think I know Stafford's contracts like really hard to get out of, even if he mm-hmm. wanted to do that. They took on all their dead money this year. So if they were going to move on from him, like borrowing a retirement there was no reason why they wouldn't say, okay, like add another 64 million to our like 100 billion in dead money that it's we have so much dead money this year. Right. <laughs> and, and, and like, so I'm kind of like, if they were going to do it, like they would have done it now and they didn't. Mm. So I'm kind of like, okay, that sort of more so than the other dynamic of the Kirk and Sean and Kyle dynamic more so than that. I, I feel like this, the, the logical financial, I, I can, I, I bet I've seen Florio paint the contract picture before. I would imagine he's like thinking, realistically about the contract situation with Stafford, but you know, I'm an optimist. So speaking of Stafford, I I sort of looked at everything he went through last year and and just everything he's put his body through in his career, even going back to Detroit and the fact that he's made over $300 million in salary to this point. Did, did he come close to, to hanging him up this off season? Do you think? Why is that? Is he just a maniacal competitor? So I don't know that for a fact. I'm saying that out of like everything I've seen, like he hasn't 
he said it in public. I don't know what he said, you right. know, behind closed doors. Or I don't know whether he, mo- but like he said, no, he's never considered it in public. But again, he's also said, no, I'm fine. My elbow and spine are not hanging on by a mere thread. And <laughs> you're just like, well, we can see that's not the case, but okay, man. Like <laughs> right. as long as you're saying what you want to say publicly, I get it. But, but um, so yeah, he said, he, he said he wasn't, he said he hasn't. Um, I think, if I'm putting myself in the head again of like a insane competitor, and I think the same can be said for Aaron Donald, frankly, um, you cannot go out like that. Like the yeah. sourness, especially right after Super Bowl, and you really see it structurally. I could see a world where the Rams have communicated a plan to their stars saying, look, we're going to try to compete in 2023. We're going to do what we can to like, shoot a bunch of shoot a bunch of threes and not play defense and build our defense up, you know, as we, as we grow and look at all the resources we're stockpiling for 2024, the end of the Aaron Donald contention window, that's when his contract's up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you no longer maybe have the greatest player defensive player, right. Who's playing right now. And sorry, nobody get mad at me, please for saying that, but like it just absolute, otherworldly football player on your roster. Right. So you have to, you're like, okay, can we maximize this while we have this person who the likes of, we will never see again, probably statistically speaking, probability speaking. Right. And so I think that, you know, if, if I'm a veteran, if I'm Matthew Stafford, if I'm Aaron Donald, and if hypothetically speaking, if that is something that's been communicated to me, um, I get that. I can see that. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, let's ride it out. Let's see what happens. And also don't go out, you know, on your back, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty yeah. million dollars is a lot of money to it's so much money. To to take <laughs> I, I, I put my body through a lot for compre- thirty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even comprehend it, frankly. Like yeah. I can't, yeah. Um, you've been crazy generous with your chat with your time and we appreciate the heck out of it. Uh I have one last question here before yes. we send you off. I want to go back to the podcast real quick. Was there something that ended up on the cutting room floor that you can share with us that is not in the pod that you wish was? Everything I wanted in there is in there. Okay. Um, okay. But let me think about that. Cause I'll probably have a better answer for you once the thing's actually out. And then I wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night in like mid July. And I'm like, Oh no, Mike McDaniel <laughs> at 26 minutes and 45 seconds in said this one thing that has to go in and like, <laughs> Oh, I will freak out. So I'll let you know if in that oh case, um, okay. but Perfect. I will just say this. I, I really hope people listen to this. First of all, point blank. I really hope people listen to this <laughs> and that's it. And, and that's it. I'm out No. And second of all, though, I, I really hope people listen to this wanting to understand. I mean, I, th- there's this space where it's like, we go through a lot of schematic stuff. Yes. And that's super fun. Like we do it in a way that's like, everyone's welcome, right? Football is for you. We're going to talk to you, not in ever a way that's dumbing anything down, but you feel like you're in the room. Like we are talking with you as we talk about schematic things and it's complicated, Mm -hmm. very high concept philosophical stuff, but the human stuff, I really want people to understand like, this is not necessarily just a story about football it is a story, but it's very anthropological in nature. It's about the human condition. It's about the complexity of the human condition. And what happens when a bunch of people full of the complexity of the human condition <laughs> create something 
And then they build this thing and let's call it a wheel. And this wheel, they're all in it and they're moving it. And all of a sudden they come to a downhill slope, right? And they're in this wheel and they start going really, really fast. And they realize that the only way to get out of this wheel is either to jump out as it's rolling down the hill or wait for it to crash. Hmm. And what decision do you make, right? And that's what this podcast series is about, really. And so I think that I really hope people listen to it with open minds. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of fun stuff in it, of course, but there's also some 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 humanity that, that you know, and and not just the coaches, the players too. We cannot forget the toll that not only some of this takes on the players, but also how they bring all of this to life so mm-hmm. so beautifully. Um, and I think that that um, I just I, I hope people think about it through that lens, keep an open mind. Um, and, and I hope people enjoy it. I really, please like it. (laughs) Please like it. Oh my God. Please like it. So the entire thing comes out July 10th, July 10th. You can binge it. Um, I will be doing little threads about each episode every day of that week. Um, and there's a lot of Easter eggs, um, a lot of really cool, uh, things that we are doing from a production standpoint. I have a kick-ass team of producers on this. Um, and they've just done an incredible job bringing this into three dimensions. And, um, there's some really cool, like Easter eggs and title things that I, I want people to to see if they know what they mean. And, um, there's a lot of really fun stuff that a lot of, a lot of thought, a lot of work has gone into this over the last year. And I'm please like it, please, please like it. <laughs> well, well, knowing, knowing Kyle Shanahan from the limited way that I do and, and having a little bit of experience with Mike McDaniel. I'm sure those guys were awesome, and I'm sure the other guys that you spoke with were all awesome, and and you're awesome. Uh, we know you did a great, great. Nobody, nobody murdered me yet, so I'm <laughs> still w. here. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, the audio documentary is called The Play Callers. You can find it at the Athletic. It drops July 10th. Uh, follow Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. She covers the Rams as well for the Athletic. Does an awesome job, Jordan. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. My pleasure. <laughs>